0: Hello there. Welcome back to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. Tune in as Pastor Scott preaches on a message entitled, Every Day is a Mission Trip, with insights from the scripture and from the trip that he recently took to participate in Beach Reach, trying to reach lost college students with the gospel. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you. Have a great week. Uh, I want to share with you... um... Some about the trip that I had. I've had a lot of you ask. Did I catch up on my sleep? Yeah, I think I did. Actually, uh, I don't know that I've slept as much um, in a week as I did this past week. So, in quite some time. And So it was uh, it was really good and uh, catching up on that. But uh, because we had quite a shortage from the week before, and for those of you who don't know, you'll find out here in just a minute, kind of what I'm talking about. So a little over a week ago, uh, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip called. Beach Reach. All right. And so uh, let me explain a little bit what Beach Reach is. Beach Reach has been going on for, I don't know exactly how, probably at least 20 years, maybe 30 or so. Um, it is a, uh, a mission trip where college students from all over, colleges all over the country um, go to, we went to Panama City Beach. I have since learned that they, um, a group of Uh, College ministries also do this down at San Padre Island, Texas, but we go, um, college students go there to give free van rides and to share the gospel and have gospel conversations with college students who are there on spring break. And so um, that's what we did. We loaded up three vans. This behind me is uh, our group. We had 35 students and um, uh, uh, chaperones. Uh, I was a van driver and a chaperone, uh, about 28 students, uh, and three vans. Now, we used the vans that we took down. We then had some of the artists in the group. Uh, we named all the vans. Um, as you see, my van was called Pack Van. There we go. What a great name, right? I think, uh, I don't even know what the other vans were called, uh, but we had a lot of creative names. We had three vans go from Purdue. Um, there were, I think, 43 vans in all. Um, 370 students and leaders uh, down there for this mission trip. And here's what we did. So we started out on Sunday and we had worship, had a couple times of worship on Sunday, but we also had training. Uh, Training didn't just start on Sunday, but uh, we began, uh, they began several months before with Uh, teaching evangelism training and talking about the different things that were going. But we had kind of uh, a review on Sunday of evangelism training. We also had a review of the various roles for the week. Uh, And so all the the students gathered together and all the leaders, and we kind of had some um, um, kind of last minute, but making sure everybody knew what they were doing training. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, we went out and passed out cards So um, they had had uh, over 12,000 little business cards printed with our number, 1-800 number on it that we gave out for free free shuttle rides that people, the students could call to get a shuttle ride. I'll explain in a minute how that worked. But we went out and passed out cards, said, hey, we're here. We got free shuttle rides. Uh, If you need something at night, uh, during the hours of nine to two-ish, we're available and we can pick you up. And so... Every evening after supper, we first had a time of worship and praise and hearing the word, and then we went out and to provide uh, free shuttle rides for the, kids, the students that were down there. Um, I think maybe one more picture there if you can show the next one there. There we go. This is one of the groups that we picked up, um, and so we asked if we could take their picture, and they said yes, even gave us a thumbs up. But I want to kind of share some stories this morning. Um, first of all, I want to kind of tell you, um, some of you think maybe when you heard Beach Reach, you think, okay, Pastor, you and a couple others get in the van and go down and give some shuttle rides. How in the world are you going to do this? Um, it was extremely organized. I was even shocked at how organized this was. Like I said, we passed out cards with an 800 number on it. Uh, if somebody wanted a shuttle ride, they would call into the 800 number. Uh, to which they would get a call center, okay? Now, this is, this is a, think about this. This is for three weeks out of the year. This is a makeshift call center. You can show the next slide, if you will. And uh, we had students there manning the phones. The students would take calls, would find out who, who needed a ride, how many people were with them, uh, wh- where they were at, where they needed to ride to, and then they would put that in the computer. They would then pass that along to a couple other folks who would then match those who needed a ride with the van. Now, as I said, we had 43 different vans. Not all of them were going at one time, but we had about 37 vans uh, or so going at a time. The rest were in the prayer room, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But um, that's quite a massive undertaking. Um, in the olden days, I was told they did used whiteboards to match all of that up. But as you can imagine, that's kind of difficult. So um, one of the former beach reachers, who has since gone gone on to become a software developer, um, actually developed an app that they use for this that worked wonderfully. And so once the the call center gets all the information, they put it in our app. In the van, we have a navigator. Our navigator gets the information that we need, and we're off and running. So I'll come back to that here in just a minute. Um, So there was a call center uh, that was very organized. Uh, Also, some, as we went out in vans, uh, as you can imagine, our vans were full going down there. So in order to take some people, we, did, we had to get rid of some people, right? Well, those we got rid of went on street teams. And so we had teams of three or four students each that went out on the streets and um, sharing the gospel, giving out cards, talking to people uh, the whole evening while we were giving van rides. And then uh, this is one of our street teams right here behind us. And uh, one of the cool things that the street teams got a chance to do was at the end of the night... Some of you have asked me, Pastor, wow, was it a shock to your system, all this kind of stuff? Um, no, not really. I, I understood what I was going to see. Um, but one of the cool things about, that our street teams got to do was at the end of the night, yes, there were some kids that were drunk. There were sometimes um, girls that were, were, were drunk and worried about them getting back to their place. Our street teams were able to sometimes connect and make sure these young ladies uh, were safe. And that they could get a safe ride back to their hotel and so forth. Um, and so it was really a pretty cool ministry there. But on the vans, here's kind of the way the vans were organized. Uh, if you can show the next slide. Uh, one more. There we go. That's, that's a picture of our van. I don't know if you can see this or not, but I wanted to show you this because, um, again, it wasn't like, hey, get on this van and give some rides. No, pretty organized in the way they have this set up. And so if you can see there, the driver, obviously that was me. Each van had a navigator, which was in contact through the app with our base to find out where we were to go, who we were to pick up, and so forth. Then we had a doorman. Anybody know what the doorman did? Took care of the door. That's right. That's right. Took care of the door. So the doorman was in charge of uh, letting the groups in, but also very important, make sure they didn't bring any alcohol, drugs, smoking, vaping, any of that stuff on the van, and uh, make sure they knew the rules and so forth, and then uh, allowed them in. We then had here was a person sitting hot seat one and hot seat two may sound a little funny, but they're the one, the primary ones that were charged with building conversations with the, those who were riding in the vans. However, the doorman and, um, Dan, you're going to love this back seat. It was security. We had a security guy back there had to be a guy. And that guy was in charge of making sure nothing got out of hand. Since we knew we were going to be carrying some drunk kids, uh, make sure that they didn't get too handsy, make sure they didn't do things that they weren't supposed to do. We didn't really have a problem with that. But anyway, we've got it taken care of anyway. So that's kind of how our vans uh, were set up. Uh, those were the van rolls. And last but not least, there was another role. if you can show the next slide, and that was our prayer room. Uh, I, I had some of you uh, were willing to be on my prayer group during the week, and you got prayer requests specifically for me. But we also had a live prayer feed. So part of the app was that our navigator could send in, really anybody in our group could send in prayer requests in a live feed. So some of you, I know Tom's shaking his head, some of you followed that live feed. And so as we were having gospel conversations on the vans, those prayer requests were coming in. If you can see in the picture here, um, on the screen, they were running the live feed. And part of our group was in the prayer room at all times, uh, we all took, uh, uh, had a t- turn for that, uh, several turns for that, and praying for all the other groups uh, for God to move and for God to work in the heart of students. And so, as you can see, um, it's pretty organized uh, in how, how the things we were doing uh, worked out. So it wasn't just, hey, go get some rides, whatever. Um, man, they've really kind of refined this system. And so, in the vans, what would happen is we would get an assignment from base before we went to pick up a group, we would pray ahead of time for that group and for the conversations that we would have. And then after we dropped them off, we would pray for that group again. And we would pray for the next group we were about to pick up. So does that make sense? Kind of how things worked through the night, so that gives you a basic overview of understanding here's what I want to do this morning i want to I want to share with you some specific stories and tell you some really cool things that God did during the week but as I do that, I want to share some principles that um, one, of the, one of the college ministers that, that talked during the week shared a couple of these this past week. I want to share with you, and I want us to look at some scriptures this morning because I believe there are some important, some important things that God impressed upon my heart and uh, reiterated into my heart this past week, some things that I believe we can take and we need to apply to our lives as well. So as we do that, number one, if you've got an outline, here's number one. Uh, friends, uh, as we share... I believe we need to sow broadly with the gospel. I believe we need to sow broadly with the gospel. I'm probably going to say this several times this morning, but if you never share the gospel with anybody, how many people do you think you might, win to the, might be able to lead to the Lord if you never share the gospel with anybody? None. That's pretty basic, right? It's pretty basic, but we wonder why God's not working through us because we never open our mouths. I want to take you to a passage in Matthew chapter 13. And I believe Jesus teaches us. I believe there are a ton of principles in this this passage. But I want to pull out just three this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. Jesus says, or excuse me, Matthew writes, before we get into specifically what Jesus says, says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So here's Jesus in a boat teaching to those on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables. He said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them, or that seed. Some... Fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some, he says, fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus here tells the parable of the sower. Why does he tell this parable? Is he telling this parable so that farmers kind of know what's going to go on when they sow seed? That's not why he's telling the parable, although it applies there, right? (laughs) Um, But Jesus is using an analogy here to talk about the spiritual sowing of seed, the spiritual sowing of the word of God. Now, Jesus doesn't always do this, but in this case, he tells us what the parable means. So look over in verse 18, same chapter, as we see what Jesus says. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom or the the good news of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So first of all, and in uh, Mark and Luke, it it, it identifies a little clearer. What is is, uh, Jesus saying the seed represents? The seed represents the word of God. The seed represents the gospel, that we are to be out sowing, we are to be out casting and sharing with others. He says, when someone hears the word and does not understand it, then the wicked one, Satan, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So the first he says, when seed falls by the wayside, what does that represent? That represents the fact of somebody who hears the gospel, doesn't understand. Satan comes and and steals the word, and they forget what they hear, and it does not uh, take root in their lives. Verse 20, but he who receives the seed on stony places... What about that seed that falls on, falls on some dirt that may look good, but right underneath the surface is, is, is rock? And so that, that seed doesn't have the opportunity to get down past the rock. He says he received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. How many of you know somebody like that? They heard the gospel, got all excited about it, and then two months later, their life didn't show anything about it says, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So Jesus relates the seed that falls on stony places to someone who gets excited about the gospel. But it doesn't take root. When, when troubles and difficulties come, they're not really trusting in Christ. They just uh, just enjoyed the message for a time. Verse 22, now he received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. In other words, that's somebody who hears the gospel, who seemingly receives it, but the, the riches of the world, the cares of the world, the stuff, they get so enamored with the stuff of the world that they leave the gospel and they're so filled up with the world that they don't let the gospel really settle into their hearts. Verse 23, but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So as Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, we see that as the seed is sown, as the word of God is sown, people are going to receive it in different ways. I think there are some very general principles that we can pull out of this passage. Some that really um, are pretty basic, but I think pretty helpful. Number one, number one is this, friends, not every person we share with is going to get saved, right? I mean, that seems like a dumb moment, right? But sometimes when we share with that, we share our faith once and somebody doesn't trust Christ and we get discouraged. Guess what? Jesus told us that was going to happen. Jesus told us sometimes people would get excited about it, but then they would fall away. All these things are going to happen and we need to understand that Listen, um, that, that is not about us, friends. It's about the word of God and what's going on in their lives and in their heart. So some people, um, not every person we share with is going to get saved. Here's a second truth I believe we can learn from this passage. While every person we share with is not going to get saved, some will. Some will. Now, I don't know. Some, some um, pastors that I've heard preach this passage want to go so far as to say that if we really want to take Jesus's percentages, only one out of four people are, are going to accept Christ uh, and, and truly be saved. I don't know that we can um, exposit the passage to that much detail. But what I do believe is, I believe Jesus is teaching us here that as we sow the word, we need to understand that some aren't, but we need to keep sowing because some are. And the third principle is that Jesus wants us to keep sowing. He wants us, our job is to be fruitful and to share more. Friends, listen, I alluded to this just a minute ago, but the number of people that you have an opportunity to, or the number of people that you see come to Jesus is directly proportional to the number of people you share with. If you only share with one person, as I said a minute ago, how many people even have the possibility to get saved? Only one. If you don't share with anybody, how many have the possibility to get saved? None. So if we want to see people come to know the Lord, if we, if we really believe that people are dying and lost, and when they don't know Jesus, they, because they are sinners, they're separated from God and going to hell, then that's a message we need to share. Amen? And if we believe that, if, we, if, we, if, if that is really true, friends, it demands that we share with those. If we really care about people. The problem is we just don't share enough. We just don't share enough. We don't talk to people enough about the gospel. Why is it we'll talk to people about anything and everything else almost except Jesus? When if I was to go around this room, almost every single one of you probably would tell me that Jesus is the most important person in your life. I hope he is. Then why do we not care more about others and what he can do for their lives? Well, pastor, I'm, You know, I get all nervous and stuff. Yeah, I do too. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid people are going to reject me. Yeah, they are. I'm afraid that I might embarrass myself. Yeah, you will. Uh, Pastor, I'm afraid I won't know what to say. Yeah, you won't. But don't people's eternity matter more than that? Do they? Don't people's eternity matter more than you being embarrassed a little bit? That's what we had to come to terms with this week. Um, I, I can't tell you. I wish I could take every single one of you to Beach Reach. Beach Reach, um, I believe, is one of, if not the best lab for evangelism ever. I want you to think about this just a We had the opportunity for five nights in a row, for five to six hours straight, to share the gospel one after another after another. And they were getting on our van to hear it. Now, they didn't get on the van to thinking they were going to hear it but we just began conversations and began you wouldn't believe we had so many wonderful conversations on our van i taught i taught our van to ask this one simple question do you ever think about life and death you know what college students said when i asked that one question (laughs) yeah all the time yeah Uh, one of them said yeah we were just talking about that last night you think God had prepared their hearts. I believe God, through the things that have happened in the past couple of years, uh, there is a stirring. People think about these things. We just don't believe that they do, and we don't have the courage to sometimes bring it up to allow to talk about it. People were more than willing to talk about it. We didn't force people to have conversations. God opened the doors, and we were able to share. It was just a great opportunity for myself, for, our, for the college students from Purdue that we took. Um, it was a great opportunity for them to learn and to share and to get to practice sharing their faith over and over and over and over again. Um, Friends, I believe one of the reasons we don't know how to share our faith better is because we just don't do it. Um, What what do you think, what are you good at? I want you to think about something. What are you good at? I'm looking at some of you who I know are good at sports, right? Tony, you played baseball in college, didn't you? Okay, okay. Uh, Reached a pretty high level of that. Um, did did, Did you hit a home run the first time you swung at a baseball? Probably not. It was a lot of practice, right? Learning how to throw properly, learning how to hit properly, all those kind of things. And so anything that we do that we become good at takes practice. Why do we not think that sharing our faith is going to do the same thing? You say, well, pastor, it shouldn't be canned. I agree, it shouldn't be canned. We should share naturally. We should share our testimony. Listen, I I know some of you can be shocked by this. I don't care how you share. I just want you to share. I believe God and the Holy Spirit can use anything that we're willing to open our mouth with when we talk about Jesus. And the more we do it, the better we'll become at it. But if we don't ever do it, guess what? We'll never become good at it. One of my hopes is, through sharing this, is that you would make a commitment. Maybe you don't even know what this looks like. I'm not asking you to sign up for a six-step program. But would you make a commitment to the Lord to say, God, I recognize that you, this is something you've called us to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you shall be my witnesses. He says that to all of us. We, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are called to, sh- to share him with others. Would you be willing to say, Lord, I'm scared to death. I don't know how, but I know you've called me to it, Lord. So if you'll teach me, I'll do it. Beach Reach was a great opportunity to do that. I want to share with you. Um, it's not all about statistics, but if you'll put this next slide up, if you will. Um, there were three weeks of Beach Reach in Panama City. Uh, we went week two. This last week was the last one. I don't have the statistics from the other weeks. But during the week we went, there were we gave over 1,200 van rides. 6,700 people were given rides. Now, granted, some of those were repeat riders, okay? Um, there were many who rode several times during the week. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, sometimes that allowed us to continue to have conversations that were had in other vans. And praise the Lord, 47 college students got saved. We praise the Lord for that. Amen. Give him the praise. Now, I know that sharing your faith can be intimidating. That's why I want to share with you number two, the second principle uh, that I want you to embrace. And that is this friends, we need to focus on God's power over our performance. We need to focus on God's power over our performance because the temptation can be, to think that I have to say just the right things. The temptation can be that to think that I have to have all the right answers before I can go out and I can start sharing with anybody. I have to be able to know everything about the Bible and all theology and all these things. Listen, I don't know everything about the Bible. Nobody does. And so if we keep waiting until we think we know enough, we'll never share with anybody. Here's what you need to know in order to share Jesus with somebody. You need to know what Jesus did for you and that once you were lost and now you were found and it's because of Jesus that that happened. That's really all you need to know. You'd be amazed. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I want you to listen to what the apostle Paul uh, said. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter two friends. Here's what we need to remember. We need to remember that the salvation of someone's soul is not about us convincing someone to trust Christ. It is not about us arguing somebody into the kingdom. It is not about um, us saying the right things. It is about God moving in someone's heart and the Holy Spirit regenerating their spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to remember that this is the Apostle Paul writing. Here's what he says. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, Who's he he talking to here? He's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to the believers at Corinth who are now saved who once were not. Okay? He says, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Now how many of you think when you think of the apostle Paul, think of him as a great speaker, right? We think of him as a great speaker. We think of him as having uh, knowing everything and knowing all the theology. But here he is saying that when he went to the Corinthians, he said, "Listen, I didn't come because I was with great speech, and being able to say just the right things, nor with great wisdom. For I verse 2 determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified." In other words, basically what he's saying here is, I didn't want to get, get confused in all this other philosophy and all these other things. I came and I preached to you about Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. He said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Would you have ever described the Apostle Paul that way? That's how he describes himself. He says, When I first went to Corinth, when I first went to Corinth and nobody was saved there, and I came to you and I began to share the gospel, I was afraid. I was afraid of what you were going to think. I was afraid of what I was going to say. I didn't know what was going to happen. How many can identify with that? Verse four, he says, in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, he says, what I said wasn't out of my own wisdom. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through me that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is saying here that it wasn't because he was some great speaker. It wasn't because he was able to parse out all the theology and so forth that they came to know Christ. But the reason that they came to know Christ is because God's spirit moved among them and saved their soul. That's how people were saved. It is God's spirit moving among people. It is the Holy Spirit's work to convict people of sin, to convince them of the truth of the gospel and to draw them to him. That is not our job. What is our job? Our job is to be faithful to share. The Holy Spirit goes before us. You say, well, Pastor, then if the Holy Spirit goes before us, then why? how come every person we share with doesn't get saved? Because the Holy Spirit also uses us to move people down the meter from never hearing about God to trusting Christ as their Savior. I don't know why, but God has chosen Number one, through the foolishness of the message of the gospel and the foolishness of using human instruments to reach other humans with the gospel. Um, This is this verse is not going to be on your screen, but turn back. You're in first Corinthians. Just turn back to Romans chapter 10. Just a moment. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says this, says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That doesn't mean a formal, full-time called preacher of God. It means anybody who's willing to share the gospel. How can they hear without somebody being willing to tell them? Oh, but pastor, God can do anything he wants. God can save somebody. He could, but he's chosen not to. Listen, if God chose to save people without human instruments, then Jesus's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples and to be his witnesses is useless. Why would he have commanded us to do that? Except that God has chosen to work through us. Once you come to know Jesus as your Lord and savior, you are one of his disciples and you are a commissioned disciple of his to go out and share the good news. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. Well, our job is to share the Holy Spirit. John chapter sixteen tells us: the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts people of sin, convinces them of righteousness, and draws them to God. We share, and God does the rest. Amen. I want to share with you a really cool story that happened last week. So one of, the, uh, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, um, one of the one of the restaurants bars was giving was um, holding a big beach party. Um, and uh, no alcohol at this. And Panama City doesn't allow alcohol on the beach anymore. But there were probably 1,000 students or more, maybe 2,000 students out on the beach. And so uh, our leader, Ben, decided that we were going to go out and kind of mingle among these students and share the gospel and uh, get a chance to just talk to students and so forth. And so we went out there, and we took some games with us. We took spike ball. Anybody know what spike ball is? Um, a little uh, net with a ball and so forth. We took football, we took Frisbees, those kind of things, volleyball. And we went out on the beach and our students began to just play and mingle with uh, mingle with some of the students and have conversations. So as we go out onto the beach, um, me and the only other single guy on our trip that was an adult, okay, Rick, were standing there. A couple of the adults Two of, the, two of them were couples. They brought their wives with us. But me and Rick, our wives, couldn't go. And so we're standing there on the beach, and there's a couple thousand college students out on the beach and so forth. And I looked at Rick, and I said, Rick, I want to go mingle among these college students on the beach, but I'm a little afraid of what a 50, and Rick's a little older than me, year-old guy mingling among college students is going to look like. I said, we're going to look like creepers. There's going to be a dad alert. Go off. Dad alert. Dad alert. Right? These college students aren't going to talk to us at all. And so I'm sitting here having this conversation with Rick, and unbeknownst to me, God is working. Because as soon as I got done saying that to Rick, Rick and I turn around and there's a young man who has walked up behind us and has is pointing and asking, pointing to the spike ball and said, What is that game over there? I've never seen that game before. And so this young man walks up behind Rick and I, his name was Chandler. And Rick and I began a conversation with Chandler that lasted probably 30 to 45 minutes. Rick connected with Chandler because they both are from Kentucky and they both went to the same college. And um, uh, it was really just kind of neat how God moved in that. And after we got done the small talk and Chandler loved to talk basketball and football and those kind of things, we talked about started talking about spiritual things. And believe it or not, Chandler was open to that. Uh, he was open to talking about sin and the brokenness in the world, and he agreed. He, he It made sense as we explained what the Bible teaches about why, uh, why the world is broken and, and what our sin has done and continues to do. Um, he, he, he identified with that. He agreed with that. Uh, I felt like we were really connecting with him, and so we had this really long, drawn-out conversation. But when we got to the gospel, uh, when we got to the gospel, I started sharing the gospel with him, And it just seemed like something turned off in Chandler. And he just wasn't as interested as he was. As much as I thought, man, this is a God appointment and God's going to allow us to just help Chandler come to know Christ. um, It just turned cold and Chandler was like, Hey, I'm gonna go be with my friends and whatever. And he did. And so Rick and I talked, Rick had actually connected with him, got his phone number and it was kind of pretty cool. Rick um, said, you know what? I'll reach out to him and see if I can't continue the conversation. Now, Remember that, fast forward, that was Tuesday afternoon, fast forward to Wednesday night. We were on our van, and during our van rides when we would let somebody off, um, we'd get another group on, I would put the um, location into my phone uh, for the GPS to find out where we were going. But I would also check the prayer line sometimes and so forth, and it would come across my notification feed. And one of those times when I was checking my phone and setting up uh, that uh, during a stop, I noticed something come across there. One time it said, pray for Chandler. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. Chandler, there's a bunch of Chandlers. There's thousands of college students down here this week. Later, I I, I, I thought, very quickly came across my screen. It said, praise the Lord, Chandler got saved. And I said, I'm like, no way, no way. Anyway, we continue with the night. I'll tell you a little bit more about this in a few minutes. But Wednesday night was just an unbelievable night. Um, Fast forward to 3.30 in the mornings when we got back to our place we were staying. Um, It actually wasn't Wednesday night any morning. It was Thursday morning. But we got back, and Rick was driving one of the other vans. And I went to Rick first thing, and I said, Rick, I said, I said, did you see that come across the prayer feed about Chandler? I wonder if it could be the same guy. Rick said, no, I didn't see it. So he and I both pull our phones up. We're flipping back through the prayer feed. And we see where it said about Chandler, and we saw that the, the prayer feed that came across about Chandler, that Chandler had talked to one of the guys in our group by the name of Aaron. So we went over to Aaron and we said, "Aaron," said, "I know this is probably not the same guy, but I got to know about this." And so we asked him, uh, "Who was this Chandler?" And 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 what you know, tell us what happened. And so he began to tell us what happened, and so forth, and. Um, he had gotten Chandler's uh, name and stuff as well. And so um, Rick pulled up in his phone and Aaron pulled up in his phone. They both had Chandler, but the last names were not the same. They were similar, but not the same. We were like, well, I guess it wasn't the same guy. What have you? I said, wait a minute. I said, did you get his number as well? Yes. I said, maybe one of you got the wrong last name. And Rick and Aaron started reading off the phone number, and it was the exact same number. So the guy that God brought up to me and Rick on Tuesday afternoon, Aaron met on one of the street teams on Wednesday night. He said Chandler even talked about the conversation that he'd had with us. He was able to continue the conversation, share the gospel. Chandler got saved, and we praise the Lord. That's how God works. Amen? Amen. God connects the dots. We don't always get the privilege of being able to see stuff like that. Um, But God, those are the types of things that God does. Uh, That's why we need to be faithful. That's why we need to not be afraid to share, friends. That's why we need to focus on God's power and not our performance. God is at work. Um, God is sovereign. He's working in the hearts of, of, of men and women. Uh, he is, 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 is wants to use us to share the gospel and to share what he's done in our lives as he is drawing people to himself. We need to understand that success in witnessing is not leading somebody to the Lord. It is sharing our faith. When you open your mouth, listen, uh, please don't be, you know, there are sins of commission and there are sins of omission. Sins of commission are sins, things that we do that are wrong. Sins of omission are things that we don't do that we, God calls us to do. And one of the sins of omission is the sin of silence. And most, so many Christians are guilty of this. And that is not speaking up and sharing with others. Not even caring enough to find out if somebody knows the Lord or not. I want you to look at, listen to this quote. Bill Bright, years ago, said this and used this in Campus Crusade for Christ. It's been repeated multiple times in many venues. But he says this. He says, success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And look at that last part. And leaving the results to God. Here's the deal. You can't save anybody, and neither can I. The power of God, God's Spirit saves people. He's the one, if you're saved, he saved your soul. He's the one who worked in your heart to, draw, him to uh, draw you to him. And then he brought somebody, whether it was a preacher or somebody in your life, to share the gospel with you. Then we have to respond. And once we respond and trust Christ as our Savior, then it is our responsibility to share and let the Holy Spirit do it all over again. Amen? Listen, we need to sow broadly with the gospel. We need to focus on God's power not our performance. Friends, we share, the Holy Spirit works, and God provides the increase. Amen? And the third truth I want us to, uh, we need to embrace is this. Friends, more people, more people need to answer the call to be harvesters. More people need to answer the call to be harvesters. I want you to turn, if you will, back to Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Pastor Brandon already kind of previewed this a little bit for us this morning. But I want to ask the question, you may be asking the question, what is a harvester? What is a harvester? What does it mean? Is we know um, we have some farmers in here. A harvester is someone who goes out and harvests the crop, right? When the crop is ready... You go out nowadays, there are lots of uh, machinery uh, that, that you use to go out and harvest the weed or harvest the, the uh, soybeans or whatever it is, uh, the corn that you've planted. But a harvester goes out and has to get the crop in. And when it's time to get the crop in, you don't have a lot of time, right, Miss Carolyn? It's busy time, busy season during harvesting season. I want you to look at what Jesus says here in verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, they were tired. They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus is out healing the sick and, and doing all the things that people wanted him to do, uh, attending to physical needs. But Jesus didn't just see their physical needs. Guess what else he saw? Their spiritual need. Their spiritual need for him. And Jesus looked at the crowd and it says he was moved with compassion for them. But it doesn't say he was moved with compassion because of their physical needs, because guess what? Our physical needs can be filled, but guess what? We're going to have more physical needs and more physical needs. And Jesus says, you know, there's a type of water that you're going to drink that you're going to have to be thirsty again. But he gives the type of water that will satisfy our soul for eternity. It was the spiritual need. Listen, I think that is so much. Think about today. Jesus looked out and saw and had compassion because they were tired, weary, and scattered. Think about people today. You think people are tired? I think people are tired of, of COVID, amen? I think people are tired of, of, of all the separation, of not being able to be around others. I think people are tired of hearing. I think we're just tired of life sometimes. People don't even know what the spiritual answer is to their problems. Look what Jesus says next. He said to his disciples, and, and remember, He's saying this as he looks out over the multitude and he sees them weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. He says, the harvest truly is plentiful. What's he talking about? He's talking about all the people who have the spiritual need and don't have a relationship with him. The harvest truly is plentiful. In other words, in Jesus' words, the harvest is ready. There are people willing to be saved, need to be saved. But what does it say? The laborers are few. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Friends, uh, here's the interesting part about this as we just ponder on this. friend, Jesus says the harvest is not the problem. I know we would like to think, you know what? I don't share my faith because I don't really think anybody out there wants to trust Jesus as their Savior. We think nobody's interested. Let me just ask you a question. Does Jesus lie or, or, or can we trust him? If we can trust him, then I want you to really let this verse sink in. Jesus says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We think it's the reverse. We think there's plenty of people out there sharing the God, just not many wanting to hear. Jesus says there are many out there wanting to hear. Listen, if what Jesus says is true, then what that means is there are more people willing to accept the gospel than there are people willing to share the gospel. Let say that again if what Jesus says is true, then there are more people willing to hear the gospel than there are people willing to share the gospel. In other words, friends, it's not about our ability. It's about our availability. Jesus ends it up there in verse 38 by saying, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I don't think it's any coincidence that in chapter 10 is when Jesus commissions the apostles and sends them out two by two to begin healing and, 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 and uh, uh, sharing the gospel and, and, and sharing the word of the kingdom to all of those. We need to understand, friends, that it is not about our ability. It's about our availability. They weren't the first that Jesus sends out. Amen. We are called to be his witnesses. You know, one of the great joys that I had last week, um, yes, it was a joy um, to get to share, the, share my faith. It was a joy, even as the driver, you would be surprised how many conversations you can have over your shoulder. Um, and, and I had a lot. And I praise God for that. It was really a great opportunity. And I, uh, I felt very privileged in that. But that's not the greatest joy I had last week the greatest joy I had going on Beach Reach was getting to mentor the college students that I went with and helping them to learn to share their faith. One of those was my own kid, Eli. Night number one, Eli was our doorman. Remember where the doorman sat? There were, um, and so Eli was there and he was, it was interesting. Let me tell you what was really cool. And um, I don't know if he'll hear this later on or not, but I just, I was really proud of him. It was really cool to hear him sharing his faith and saying many things that I have said through the years. It's really, you just don't know how cool that was. But then when he got stuck to be able for me to jump in and help in the conversation and to see him grow in sharing his faith and taking the initiative to do that and learn and, and, and being able to, to, to communicate the gospel, Listen, this is a, sorry, I, 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 this is a young man who would not open his mouth when he was 12 years old. Wouldn't speak hardly. You know, I know y'all seen him lead worship up here, but he, he played bass for a long time and would not sing for anything. Um, now sharing the gospel. Um, had the opportunity on night two, a young man by the name of Jackson. Oh, man, so proud of this young man. He sat in that doorman uh, seat and talked to the people. One of the things that we got the privilege, the van I was driving was one of the largest. So they tended to send us all the big groups, eight, nine, 10, 12 people. We didn't care. We'd shove them in and, um, and take them. But it gave us opportunity, all of our people opportunity to have conversations. Jackson was a very quiet young man. Jackson was is is an introvert. In fact, um, Jackson was so quiet, um, I didn't even know who he was for three days in our group. Um, I, I I don't mean that in bad. But I grew to love Jackson, just a wonderful young man. And when Jackson sat there in that dormant seat, listen, I, Jackson was so quiet. I was nervous for Jackson. I Think you get the picture? But when when folks when college students got in and sat next to him, Jackson was so natural in having a conversation with them. Here's one of the cool things. So Jackson would have a conversation. He would take it as far as he could. And then he would kind of get stuck and I would jump in and I would help with the conversation. But here's the cool thing. Then when we dropped those people off, we got to have a conversation. And I, I was able to say, Jackson, try this, try saying this, try turning the conversation this way. And you know what's the coolest thing was to see the next people get in. And Jackson used the very thing that I had just told him before. Um, That night, Jackson just grew so much in in sharing of his faith. And he would, man, we did that for several times and uh, several, I don't know how, about probably halfway into the night, maybe a little bit longer. um, There was a group of folks that, that got into the van. Nobody sat on the front seat, but somebody, they sat in the next row. And so Jackson kind of was turned around, talking to one person while the person in the hot seat was talking to the other. And so I could hear Jackson's conversation, but it was so f- it was two two seats back. So God did that, so I couldn't intervene in the conversation. But I was hearing Jackson's conversation, and I was so I was I, he would get stuck, and then he would try something different in in his conversation, and and uh, I was like, man, I wish I could help him. I wish I could help him. But it wasn't long before Jackson. The next thing I heard was him telling this individual what Jesus had done for them. He said, is that something you would like to do? Would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and savior? And that young man said, yes. Now listen, that was Wednesday night. You would not believe Jackson was on cloud nine. We got the young man's name and number and, um, send it for follow-up and all that kind of stuff. And I was so proud of him on uh, Thursday night, the last night, Got a chance. Eli was my doorman again. Uh, Casey was uh, in the navigator seat, um, and there were uh, one of the last rides of the night were two girls that we picked up to take back to their hotel. And um, Eli and Casey were having a conversation with these two girls, and one of the girls was real talkative. One of them was kind of shy, and they they I I know at first afterwards kind of found it. They thought the one that was talkative was the one that that they were going to be able to have a better conversation with. But believe it or not, it became evident pretty quick that the quiet girl was the one in whom God was working. And she mentioned pretty early on, and she said, you know what, I, I made a profession of faith. I, I you know, made a profession of faith back when I was eight years old, she said, but, but, but uh, I never really thought it was real. She said, the person who shared Christ with me kept telling me, no, you did that, you did that, you did that, but I've never felt that I've really had the Lord in my life she wasn't in church. She wasn't following the Lord really at all. So I was sitting there and I wanted to, I wanted to say something, but the Holy spirit kept telling me, excuse me, shut up, Scott, shut up, Scott, shut up, Scott. And, um, or be quiet. So I did, I sat there and I bit my lip and I just listened as Casey and Eli talked to these two girls. Casey then began to share her testimony with this young lady. Um, and that young lady identified with Casey's testimony. I could see, I was driving, I could see out of the rearview mirror this, this girl's face, and I could see her face just turning um, and, and to meekness and seeing God working on her spirit. When Casey got done, by the time Casey got done sharing her testimony, we had pulled up to where we were dropping them off, which normally what we did there was we opened the door and, so that they could leave if they wanted to or that they could stay and have more conversation. So this girl sat there, at that time and finished listening to Casey's testimony. And then Casey said, is that something you'd like to do? Would you like to invite Jesus into your life today? And the girl said, yes. Now here's the cool part. We were stopped at that time. I turned around. I wouldn't say anything, but I just kind of listened to the conversation. So Casey looks at me as if, what do I do now? (laughs) I said, well, Casey, I said, lead her in a prayer. And she did. We talked to her about what that meant, and it was a surrender of our will to his will, um, and God um, saved that girl Kelly's heart. Here's what she said. Kelly said afterwards. She said, you know, she said, one of my good friends has been inviting me to the collegiate ministry on campus. She goes to UK. I said, Kelly, I said, you text your friend and tell her that you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and you'd love to go with her. Friends, it is amazing how God works how God connects the dots. The um, The problem is not the harvest. The problem is God is calling more harvesters. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So the question is, would you be willing to say yes to the Lord? Lord, I am willing to be a harvester. Friends, it was such a joy for me to be able to see these Purdue students to grow in their faith and for... Uh, basically to multiply harvesters you know yeah i could have shared with these but to see these these college students be able to leave lead their peers to the lord is just fabulous now they go back and get a chance to share more on their college campus and it multiplies what god is going to do through this group Um, one of the speakers last week paul worchester i think i mentioned him earlier um, a couple of things he said during the week I wanted to share with you. One is this. He said, consider life a divine Easter egg hunt. We're getting ready for Easter, right? He said, consider life a divine Easter egg hunt. God is sending us out to find the ones in whose lives he's already working. We just get to be, we get the privilege of the process. We get to be part of the process. What a great privilege that is. Amen. He also said, a lot of people will say, you know what? You got to take time and you got to become their friend and you got to earn the right to share with them, right? He said something that I just, it blew me away. He said, you don't have to earn the right to share the gospel with anybody. Jesus already did that. Jesus already earned the right to share. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he demonstrated his love towards them, towards you, in that he came to die for you. How amazing is that? Amen. And this last quote that he said was this, and I want to just kind of wrap it up with um, sharing something that happened on Wednesday night. He said this, I think I've got this on the screen. He said, if you want a worship experience, Pastor Brandon, you're going to love this, okay? I know you're spot on with this, okay? Because we think we come and we sing and we, that's how we worship. That's one way we can worship. He said, if you want a worship experience, lead somebody to Jesus. Um, let me just say this. I understand that it is as we've already said, it is God is the one who does the saving we don't. but here's a couple things I want to say and follow up to that if you never share, you'll never get that opportunity. If you do, eventually you will. Wednesday night, again, actually Thursday morning, when we came back, 3: 30, Thursday morning, um, we were our van was the last van coming back because we'd taken a couple of extra rides. We, one of them we, one of them was one of the, that last girl that I told you about got saved. We weren't supposed to take them. Um, but they begged us for a ride. It's a long story. I won't get into all the details. And we just felt it was a God thing. And so we took them and that, that girl Kelly got saved, but we got back at three 30 in the morning. I expected fully the other two vans to be back and asleep. They were not. Um, they were all, when we got back clapping and hollering and everybody was excited. Um, because on Wednesday night we had on our van, we had four people except Christ and six in all the Purdue vans on Wednesday night get saved the college the Purdue College students were just so excited nobody was going to sleep everybody was talking and sharing their expenses experiences and um it wasn't just the conversations that led to people trusting Christ we had so many great conversations that, that were deep conversations in which we got to share the gospel, and people were so close, but yet, yet, and I know God is going to do that in their life. But we were just, they were sharing back and forth, and that was when we, uh, Rick and I got to connect with Aaron about Chandler, and, and uh, uh, Casey got to share about Kelly, and there was just so many great, wonderful conversations. The students were so pumped. It was a worship experience in that living room where we were sharing. In fact, some of the students were so excited. Not me. I went to bed about 5 a.m., but some of them were so excited. They said, why don't we just stay up and continue worshiping at the sunrise? And so they did. Uh, I don't know how much they slept the next day, but nevertheless. Um, Friends, it was a worship experience like I've never experienced before. I hope I've been able to give you a little bit of taste of that this morning. Um, Man, maybe you'd like to go be a driver next year. I don't know. Um, It was just a really a cool opportunity. Here's what I want to close with this morning. I want to challenge you. Would you be willing to answer the call along the lines of Matthew chapter nine to be a harvester for God? Remember what Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to challenge you and I want to ask you to do two. I want to ask you if you would just simply do two things. I know all of you are not going to say yes to this. I wish you would. But I want to ask, would you commit to do two things? Number one, would you commit to pray for Bob every day? All right, here's what I mean by that. It's an acronym. Would you, first of all, pray that God would give you a burden for the lost? Would you, second, pray that God would give you an opportunity to share? Would you, third, pray for boldness to proclaim Christ? Every day when you get up, would you pray that? Would you pray for a burden for the lost, for an opportunity to share, uh, uh, and for boldness Uh, to share Christ with others. And then second, would you be willing to to, to seek to have at least one gospel conversation a week? Is that too much to ask? One gospel conversation per week? You know what? I just did a little math in my head. If you were to have one gospel conversation per week, this doesn't take a rocket scientist. Let's round off. How many gospel conversations is that in a year? 52. Let's round it to 50. Okay. If just 30 of you, Would commit with me to having seeking to have one gospel conversation a week. That would be fifteen hundred gospel conversations this year. I can't even begin to imagine what God might do if just thirty of you would join me in that commitment. I want to challenge you. I would love to have thirty of you join me in that. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in person. Would you pray for burden for the loss, opportunity to witness, and boldness to share? And would you join me in seeking to have one gospel conversation per week? Friends, I, I don't know, but um, I don't remember this exact quote, but there's a, um, there was an evangelism professor from years ago. Some of you might recognize the name of Paul Little, who through the years was able to lead many people to the Lord. Uh, one time um, somebody asked his wife why she thought he was able to do that, why God used him so mightily. She simply answered with this, she said, because he was just crazy enough and dumb enough to think that what God said would actually work. It's not difficult. It's actually really simple. Are you willing to do what God's already called you to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray right now and just ask, Lord, would you call out harvesters, Lord, to go into the harvest? Lord, would you call out those who have already that you've laid on their heart, Lord, to have a burden to share, that would be willing, be willing to take the initiative to try to have one gospel conversation a week, that would be willing to pray for you to work in their lives and giving them opportunities each and every week to share. Friend, if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask if you'd like for me to pray for you in this. If you'd be willing to be one of those 30, would you raise your hand right now? Amen. 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 Lord sees that. Thank you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for those who have raised their hand in commitment, Lord, wanting to be a harvester for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will give them the courage and the boldness, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll call out more, but Lord, you'll give each of us the courage and the boldness, specifically those who said they would, Lord, that you would open doors and provide opportunities, Lord, that you would go before us, Lord, to share, to open hearts. And Lord, that you would give us courage to, when the opportunity comes, Lord, to just share what you've done in our lives, to share what you can do in their life, that you would transform hearts and transform lives. Thank you for your calling. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. It's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.